Most of us tend to be enamored with the autobiography called Self, where there's one primary character, one principal character, and all the other characters can die off because that's the character that matters. I went through a stage where I was addicted. You know, we all have addictions to sin, and my sin was the show 24. And I kept watch. I'd get that thing and watch a whole season in a couple of days. And I remember seeing this, uh, it was in the background about the show, and it said, Jack Bauer's the only character that matters. Every other character is at risk of being taken off the show, being killed, because the story's really about Jack. And for many, the story's really about those famous trio, I, myself, and me. And this morning, we're going to look at that. And this is not a new story. Uh, Most of us have that great love affair with self. There's something certainly within us that's prone toward that direction. I heard that when personalized license plates first came out some years ago, in the state of Illinois, there were over a thousand requests for the license plate number one. And the guy that ran the uh, that area decided that he didn't want to disappoint anybody, so he took the license plate for himself. But certainly, that's not where the idea of selfishness started. Guys, you, you go back... In the Garden of Eden, there's Adam and Eve, and the serpent appears to Eve, and he says, you can be like God if you eat of this fruit. And she says, well, God said, no, you can't do it. And he said, but don't you want to be like God? She got to thinking, woo, that sounds pretty good. I think I would enjoy that. that that's a good idea. So she takes a bite of the fruit, and it doesn't tell us, you know, we always picture an apple. I guess it could be other fruit. But anyway, I won't go into that. Sanctified imagination. But then she goes directly to her hubby, Adam. And she woos him a little bit. And he takes a bite of the apple. And then God appears to him. And she said, it's the serpent's fault. He's the one that made me do it. And then God looked over at Adam and he goes, it's her fault. She's the one that made me do it. No, there's personal responsibility. It wasn't the serpent. It wasn't Eve. They each had made that choice. And it was a choice to pursue self instead of God. And so we we look at that this morning. And uh, guys, if you go back even to a child, you know, learn early on that a child's favorite first word is No. And you run into those battles, headstrong battles. You know, self is certainly deep within each of us. Matter of fact, I heard little boys, he was learning how to pray. He said, Lord, I pray my soul to keep. You know, if I should die while I sleep, he says, pray the Lord my soul to take. If I die before I wake, that's it. He says, uh, uh, I pray, Lord, my toys you'll take so I don't have to share them. And that's the heart. Uh, matter of fact, I ran across this uh, because Solomon, in this passage of Scripture we're going to look at this morning, uh, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 11, he gives us some sound advice how to get out of that trap. 
of just pursuing self. And we're going to look at that in a moment. Uh, before we do look at that scripture, I ran across this list. It's funny, Roy mentioned top ten lists. This is not top ten, but uh, we've actually got 20 comments, so I had to double it on him. How to be miserable. Number one, use I as often as possible. Number two, always be sensitive to slights. Number three, be jealous and envious. Number four, think only about yourself. Number five, talk only about yourself. (laughs) Number six, trust no one. Number seven, never forget criticism. Number eight, always expect to be appreciated. Number nine, be suspicious. Number ten, listen greedily to what others say about you. Number eleven, always look for faults in others. Number twelve, shirk your duties if you can. Thirteen, do as little as possible for others. Fourteen, never forget a service you may have rendered. Fifteen, sulk if people are not grateful for your favors. Sixteen, insult on consideration and insist on consideration and respect. Seventeen, demand agreement with your own views on everything. Eighteen, always look for a good time. Nineteen, love yourself first. And to sum it up, number twenty, ta-da, be selfish at all times. Solomon gives us some sound advice how to fight against this. And it's in 11, 1 through 6. So I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God as I read Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many years you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water... They pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there will it lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body's formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you, we admit, Lord, that we do battle with this villain known as self, Lord. You tell us in your word there's a three-pronged beast. There's the devil... There's this world system that's in opposition to you. And there's a sin nature, a selfishness that's within each of us, Lord. And we want to take some time and look at this area. Solomon addresses it. I just pray that with your spirit you might fill me and that among your people you might spill me, Lord. Um, In sharing this, may you speak. Because, Lord, if you don't speak, we don't hear anything of value. So help us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, we're going to look at four thoughts here this morning. And the first thought in the first couple of verses here is this battle of self. We need to learn to be generous. Notice he opens up here and he says, To cast your bread upon the waters. There's an old legend that said in that day they would, there were some that would take bread and it was more like a hard bread, like a pita type of bread. 
they'd put it on the water and it'd float downstream and some of the poor people would fish that water out of the stream and have something to eat. God always uses those who are willing, who have, to be able to help those who do not. He wants us to be generous in heart and spirit. Turn me to Deuteronomy 15 and read verses 7 and 8. And God gives this command to His people. He says, If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brothers. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. God says, Let's not get in the habit of being hard-hearted and tight-fisted, but let's learn to have open hearts and open hands to be generous, to help those in need. It's so hard to give at times and so easy to hold on to what we have because we're afraid that we'll lose what we have or that we might need something. That God has given us. And so we don't want to let go of it. But God wants to teach us guys to give. I, uh, one of my recent memory verses, Proverbs 18.1 in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It says, One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound judgment. God doesn't want us to keep our world just self. Someone said a man wrapped up... Uh, in himself makes a small package. God wants us to learn to expand our lives, to give to others and to see needs and to reach out and to meet those needs. And it goes against sound judgment of what He wants of us when we're not willing to share of what He gives us. I think of Luke 6.38 where our Lord says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down and shaking together running over, will be poured into your lap. And he says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God wants us to learn to give, to have that kind of heart. I heard about uh, an evangelist that came in a church, and man, he was he was really uh, speaking, and the congregation was really getting into his words. And he, he looked at Isaiah 40, 29-31, where it says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. So the preacher started letting it go. He said, Brothers and sisters, he said, if we want this church to move forward, he says, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta walk in the Lord. And he said, somebody in the back yelled out, he says, let her walk, preacher, let her walk. He says, brothers and sisters, he says, if, if we're going to be going forward in the Lord in this church, he says, we gotta, we got to learn how to, how to run, how to, how to run with the Lord. He says, in the back, he heard him, says, let her run, preacher, let her run. He says, brothers and sisters, he says, if God wants to use this church, he says, we got to learn how to fly. We got to learn how to fly with the Lord. And he's in the back. You heard the preacher, let her fly. Let her fly. 
He said, church, he said, if God's going to use this church to do it his work, he says, he needs money. He's lots of money. He says, let her walk, preacher. Let her walk, preacher. It's tough, man. Easy to be tight-fisted, to be tight-hearted and not open-hearted. But that's not God's call to us. I heard of another preacher that said, I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is that there's all the money we need to pay off the mortgage on our sanctuary. And the congregation clapped. He said, the bad news is it's still in your pockets. <laughs> See, God has blessed us. But it is not merely so that we can indulge in what He gives us. It is so that we can reach out and, and to love those who are in the body of Christ and those who are looking for Christ. That's guys, that's what he that's what he wants to do through us and in us to touch lives. Uh, number two, not only to be generous, but to be wise. The verb cast here means to send forth or to ship out. In Solomon's day. Israel was kind of like our Midwest, a land full of grain, the bread basket of the Middle East. And they would take the grain and they would literally ship it over the waters to the surrounding nations and they would trade it for other things. It was very valuable. And then they would accumulate from investing that grain and trading it many other items that were brought into Israel. And so there's a word picture here that when we give and we're generous to, you could say in modern terms, diversify your portfolio. Don't, you've heard the term, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't give to just one place. And don't do it in just one way. But to diversify as you give. To give money, to give your time, to give your talents to give of yourself, to make a difference, and, and to be wise in the way that you do that. I know uh, I've told you guys that uh, we, we've decided now when there are personal needs where people come to the church and want some help, we send them to Faith in Action whom we support. It's just so difficult to be able, be able to properly be wise in identifying all those needs. And here's a ministry that that's their calling, that's their heart. And so we are able to support them and they're able to run that ministry. And we're able to work together. And, I, you know, I started when I would talk to people sometime back when we were trying to help them with some financial needs. God had laid in my heart to always ask them, are you a Christian? And they'd say, yeah. And I'd say, were you actively involved in a church home? I never had anybody say yes. Never. And I try to tell them, I said, you know, guys, I said, you know, we can, maybe we could help you. Maybe we could supply you with some money to pay a bill. But you need more than just to have this particular bill paid. You need to have a family around you that cares about you and that can help you get on your feet. Help you get a job, help you learn to make some decisions so that, you know, you don't have to go back soon to get some help with another bill. 
And if, if you'll come here or another church, just somewhere where you can find out how good God is and how good His people are, and let them love you, let God love you through His people, you won't regret it. Because ultimately, that's what you need. And it breaks my heart because I don't guess I ever really had anybody take me up on that offer. But we're, we're called to be wise. We're called to meet needs. We're called to be open-handed. But we're not called to not think through what we're doing. Um, believe me, I, we need to be generous and we need to give, but, but we need to think too. And it's, it just breaks my heart when, uh, you know, you see cases where you give people uh, money and, and it's misused. But anyway, um, I want to read a verse to you. It's Philippians 4.17. He says, Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. Paul is talking to the church at Philippi who had been very generous in providing financial support to Paul to help him to be able to do his mission work. And he uses this financial term here. He says, to be added to your a gift that may be credited to your account. And the picture here is of a ledger where there is money supplied on the credit side. It says you have credit here. You have something valuable because of what you've given. And basically what he's saying to them is, guys, when I uh, go to share the gospel in this place, because you gave out of what you have, your money, then you go with me. And when I have an opportunity to minister here, you minister with me. You're a part of this ministry. God credits to your account. You're in the picture of what He's doing through my opportunities because you're there. If God did not raise you up to support me and to stand beside me, I couldn't do this. So guys, we're in this together. We're a team. And this is credited to your account. And we need to be generous and we need to be wise and we need to say, God, as I, I give of the financial resources you've given to me, what fruit is there in it? Are lives being transformed and changed by your power? Are people coming into your kingdom? God, what is happening? How is this money being used? Is it being used for just this place or is it kingdom focused? Is it going to last? And, 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 that's the picture here. Someone has said, guys, money's like manure. If you spread it around a lot, it does good. But if you pile it up in one place, it stinks. And so the idea here is that God may give us the courage and the wisdom to spread it around for His glory. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. What a great verse. It says, Each man should give what he has decided in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Are you generous? I'm not looking for a fixed amount. The verse doesn't say a fixed amount. But decide in your heart. God, out of how you've loved me, what you've done for me, 
What do you want me to give? And where do you want me to give it? And I'm not just talking about money. What, what, what does God want you to give? All right, number three, commit yourself. If, starting at verse three, if clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path or how the, of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Several times he says you do not know. And quite honestly, we don't know what's going to happen. I wish I could tell you that there's no tough times ahead. But that wouldn't be true. The Bible says that we're born for adversity. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. But he said, take heart. I've overcome the world. Some of you have lost jobs. Or you will. Some of you are suffering with bad health. Or you will. Some of you have gone through the death of somebody you love and you miss. Or you will. You don't know what will happen. And and you don't know what the future holds, but you know who holds the future. I mean, think about that bad day that Job had, man. In one day, he lost his job um, and his property, his kids, his health, all that he had in that one fateful day, the kind of day that would just make you want to close down and not give of yourself, but just retreat and hide. And as we look at this verse, you know, it talks about rain clouds, clouds that are ready to dump. It talks about high winds that cause damage and knock over, a picture of a tree falling. And that stuff can happen, and you don't know when it's going to happen. And it can just take the air out of your sails. It can just take your energy away. Uh, verse 6 Sow your seed in the morning and in evening, let not your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Just continue to be wise in your giving, to be diligent, to be committed, regardless of what you face, even if you don't feel like it. Be faithful, be committed, because God will use your giving. In the Middle East, when it rained, they would put large cisterns outside to catch the rain so when the drought come, they could use that water for their plants, for their crops. In the tough times, God can use in our lives that we might be poured out as we are broken to minister to others. Remember, as Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter 1, he says that the God of all comfort might comfort us in all our troubles. That, that God's able to take the broken and use them to help those who are being broken. And, and that's, that's the picture here that, that, God will, that God will work as we are committed, as we struggle, just to take that risk, to keep giving. 
in God's wisdom to help others. Um, when I was in college, I went to college. It was a week before I set off for college, I broke my leg. I shattered my ankle. And I was in a cast from here up to my hip. And uh, I was on crutches. I was hobbling around school on those crutches. and uh, You know, I had people feeling sorry for me. My friend said I was using it. You know, I had a girl getting my lunch tray. And a friend of mine said had a zipper on it. I took it off at night. And none of that was true. I had this roommate named Marvin. Man, I was tired. After hopping around those crutches all day, I was going in the bed, you know, 8, 8.30, driving Marvin nuts. I'm sure he didn't want me as a roommate. And on top of that, I was this nutty Christian that wanted to talk about God all the time. Well, we were together, not the whole college experience one semester. (laughs) He opted out because he could. And I didn't see Marvin for like two years. And then I played in this intramural volleyball league, and that's another story. But I saw Marvin again. And I remember he comes up to me and he hugs me. He says, man, it's good to see you. I thought, who are you? It's Marvin, you know. Marvin had gotten saved. God had gotten a hold of that guy's heart. And he he wasn't the same guy. He acted different because he was different. I had no idea. The guy thought I was a nut. Well, he's probably right. But that's not the point. The point is that God got a hold of him. I didn't even know all that. And he uses you. Don't think that missionaries are just somebody in a far off land. We're all missionaries. And all around us are people that are watching and that are looking for hope and answers. And and as we're committed through the tough times, and as God gives us victory over those difficult circumstances, people are able to look at us and see Jesus, see? Even when we don't realize, it doesn't matter if I realize or not, God's able to do it. I just stay committed to Him. I don't have to go a mile, I just have to take a step and be committed to Him, see? And and I believe that's the picture here in, in the storm that God's faithful and that He'll use you guys, He'll use you. One last word picture. Be dependent. Look back again at verse 5. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body's formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. In Hebrews 6.19, it says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Jesus is our hope, regardless of what we face. We may feel the tug of the storm, But the anchor holds. That's Christ. I love the story as I close with this story. With the entertainer, uh, Blondin. In 1859, he gathered this crowd of thousands that came to see him walk across a tightrope. He was one of the first ones given the glory for using a tightrope in a one of those areas. And uh, he decided he was going to walk across Niagara Falls 
on a dirt road. So thousands of people gathered to see this nut, I mean, uh, this guy, walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. He started walking. He acted like he was, you know, uh, losing his balance. He got halfway across and does a backflip and lands on the tightrope. And then he walks on across. Well, everybody's cheering. Yeah, man. Go on it. Well, then he walks back across. This time he grabs a wheelbarrow. He says, do you believe I can walk across with this wheelbarrow? And everybody says, yeah, we believe. He says, are you sure I can walk across pushing this wheelbarrow? Yeah, we believe. Are you certain? Yeah, I'm certain. Are you absolutely certain? He said, I'm absolutely certain. So then he points at this one guy. He said, sir, are you really certain I can walk across? He says, yeah. Are you absolutely certain? I'm absolutely certain. He said, come up here and get in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> that changes it all together. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is our hope. But you know what? Until you get in the wheelbarrow, you don't know what He is as you go across the waterfall of. He's more than a distant relative. He's a dear dad that wants to help you. And He's done what He needs to do at the cross, but the truth of the matter is, He's given us a charge. If you want to be forgiven, if you want to change life, if you want to know my presence as you go through this crazy life, you have to bow your heart to me. And you have to agree with God about what you're like. That you've messed up, that you've hurt God and you've hurt other people and you need to be forgiven and that Jesus can forgive you and and you need to come to Him in that honest way. And, and He promises that when you do that, that He will enter your heart and that He will forgive you and that He will make His home inside. And He'll be there. And uh, as I come to this time, we call response. We have an altar that's open. And of course, it would be a great blessing to see people come and to pray. And I'll be at the front to pray with you if God's spoken to your heart and and maybe you need, maybe he's dealing with you in a way that you need to tell God's people something. We have a time to respond, however he's working. And obviously I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I don't know every way he's working. But I just want us to obey. And so Kingsway, as he, as he calls, I'm just going to ask you to come if he calls you here. Whether it's to pray or for some decision. Just to be open to him because we need him. Let's pray. Lord, the story of self is not a story that's unknown or unheard. It's one that we grapple with every day. Lord, you want to teach us to give generously. You want to teach us to be wise in that giving. You want to teach us to be committed to that giving even when we don't understand or feel like it. And Lord, you want us to trust you through it all. I mean, you're the only one trustworthy. You're the only one that won't let us down. 
You're the only one that has the resources needed to get through this life as you, as we need to, Lord. And so we just come before you now, Lord, in this time that we call invitation or response before you. God, I just ask that your spirit might just fill this place and that we might respond, that we might come as you lead, Lord. We just need to see you. We need to hear from you. And God, we need to respond to you.